Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. With me today is probably the most frequent guest that we've ever had on the diner. He's probably been on with us about seven times. This will be his seventh appearance, I believe. And it's Mr. Michael Schilling. He's a head of media relations at Shore Leave and um, really has been an all-around great guy uh, as far as helping us get into Shore Leave initially and also just being great from uh, facilitating and being helping new media get into the convention. So, Mike, we are so grateful that you're here with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast yet again. Well, hello, Scott. It's really wonderful being on the Sci-Fi Diner again. I thoroughly enjoy doing this every year and only too happy to oblige once again. And, you know, so, we very, very we, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, sure. No problem. We do try to make it fresh. And uh, this year, I think maybe even maybe more than other years, I think we have a unique angle. I mean, this is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and that means believe, a lot of different yes, things. A lot of different things for different people, and um, and it, it'd be great uh, being the longstanding, uh, uh, I guess, watcher of Star Trek and really a Star Trek fan that you are, and also being in the convention as long as you are to just kind of comment on that that journey a little bit. So I guess let me start off with asking you this question: uh, Over the past fifty years, um, Star Trek that Star Trek has been around, how has it impacted or changed your life? Wow. Um, how long do we have? Yeah. <laughs> um, one could easily say that um, it's changed it in a great many ways, in almost every way. Uh, you see, I'm, I'm not quite 50 myself. So you see, to me, Star Trek has always been there. There never has been a time when it wasn't there, where it wasn't a part of my life. Uh, my older brother, uh, I, I still have very clear memories of me being six, seven, eight years old, sitting in his, his room sh and him showing me the original James Blish novels and the Alan Dean Foster novels and the original Franz Joseph Enterprise blueprints and the, the original... Um, the original guide uh, to the show, you know, the original concordance and, and the technical manual and all that, and him telling me about the characters and the ships and everything. So he, even, you know, and I still remember that uh, from those times. So, uh, you know, in, in thinking about this, this question, you know, I, I couldn't help, and I've actually felt this way quite a bit since we hit the 50th anniversary year, and I don't want to bore anybody to tears or try to act like some, some, some kind of poet when I'm really, really not. But I guess the, the best way to say it would be think about what Captain Picard said at the end of Generations, all right, where he says something like, uh, time is that friend that goes with you on the journey to remind you hmm. to cherish every moment it'll never come again, something like that. Well, that's basically how I feel about about Star Trek. Star Trek is that friend that, that has been there, and it has just always been there uh, for us, uh, going through many, many changes in our lives. You know, jobs come and go, relationships come and go. You know, the, the world seems to change at such a breakneck pace, sometimes for the good, and unfortunately a lot of the times for, for ill. But Star Trek has just always been there. Now, Star Trek was never supposed to be about being comfortable or going with the status quo. But speaking, you know, purely from a, a classic Star Trek point of view, I think most of your listeners out there know, have heard me before, know I'm a devout original Star Trek person as much as I admire the various iterations there have been. Um, but these days, at this point in my life, I see Star Trek, the original, very much as my comfort food. 
You know, it was mm. never meant to be easy. You're never supposed to take it easy. It's always supposed to make you think or, or change the way you react to the world. But I, no matter what's going on, if I feel like I need some sameness in my life or, or something where I know what I'm going to get and you know, I know the quality is going to be there, you know, then I, I pop in late at night. The family settled in. I pop in the old DVDs of the original episodes, and I, you know, I, I just take that in, and I just, you know, sort of revel in that in that feeling because no matter how many hundreds of times folks like us have seen those episodes and yes let's face it we can come out and say it right we've seen them all hundreds of times right. i'm not ashamed to admit it and i can still get that same charge over and over again i can still learn new things i can still see a new angle that i didn't see all those years ago you know because at different points in your life you come to look at it from different angles and you can appreciate the various subtleties that the show had in many of its finer episodes hmm. and even in some of its pedestrian episodes those qualities are still very much there uh, a special uh, nod to our you know beloved friend Leonard Nimoy. No matter how bad some of those episodes got, especially in the third season, he was always there trying to maintain the dignity of that character, trying to maintain the quality of the show. And, you know, so that's just one example right there. So I, so that's one big element of it right there, the, the, the comfort level of it. And But in trying to circle back a little bit to the original nature of your question before I sort of meandered off a little bit, <laughs> um, so many of the relationships that I have, so many of my fondest memories, so many of the best friends and acquaintances I've had at different points throughout my life, all can be directly or indirectly related one way or another to my love for Star Trek, you see. And I think that a lot of you uh, folks out there listening on the, the Diner podcast right now can probably uh, emulate, can really understand mm. what I'm you know, talking about right here. Because the folks you meet at the conventions or, or you know, the various organizations you belong to or uh, social media platforms and things like that, it might not, for some of you, be strictly Star Trek or strictly original Star Trek, but the people that you meet through loving these different shows, and you, you form that bond. And as time moves on in your life, certain things change, but that bond is still there, and that hmm. provides a great deal of comfort and a great deal of, of pleasure that I think, especially these days, is incredibly important. Hmm. So in a roundabout way, I think that's probably the best answer I can give. That yeah. it impact, impacts me in a great many ways, and I'm very proud to say it. Now, you mentioned that you have gone back to the original series hundreds of times. Um, thinking about that, is there one particular episode that you find yourself going back to maybe more than the others? Hmm. Well, it depends on what, how the mood strikes me at the okay. time. Um, my favorite has always been the Doomsday Machine. Okay. Always has been. I believe it was Jimmy Doolin's favorite. Uh, as well. Uh, so that's my personal favorite. But uh, when our dear friends, and it seems so much lately, they're, they're leaving us at a you know, very rapid rate, um, you know, I will have a hankering to sort of try to look for their finest moments and mm -hmm. try to pull those episodes out in particular. For example, in the, the first couple of months after Leonard Amoy died, I definitely had a, a kick to put on Spock Central episodes. I found myself watching episodes like A Mug Time and This Side of Paradise mm -hmm. and uh, Galileo 7 and, and so many episodes like that and just admiring 
the acting involved and just getting into that character and everything. So so it just sort of depends. Sometimes I look for something a little bit more thoughtful. If I if I want a, a love story, I've, in recent years I've come to appreciate episodes like Metamorphosis a lot more than I did when I was younger, you know, because in my younger days, eh, yucky, right? So you get older, you come to appreciate that differently, you know, or if you want something funnier, you feel like something lighter, you, can, you can't go wrong with Trouble with Tribbles or, you know, a piece of the action or something like that. So it depends on the mood, you know, or if you want to go after the absolute best, you know, it's hard to go wrong with things like City on the Edge of Forever or you want to say this is everything you, you want Star Trek to be and everything. Right. Or sometimes I feel like uh, putting the classic movies on. You know, I'll get on a, I'll just run like one through six, maybe not necessarily in a row like I used to do in my younger days, right. but one an evening, you know, I'll put on, you know, right in order, boom, 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 right in a row, you know, and then relive how that made me feel and who I was with at different points in my life when these movies came out. Right. Very good. You know, I, uh, I, I thought as you were saying that you kind of go back to them as comfort food in a sense, and it makes sense that you have certain episodes, maybe certain movies, depending on where you're at in life, that 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 you run back to. Um, and you've kind of answered this next question I have a little bit already, but it just um, didn't know if there's anything more you want to add to it. How, you know, when you watch a movie a first time, you get a certain feeling, um, and as you revisit it over a period of time, you notice new things. Maybe you learn new things. How is your perspective? change as you watch Star Trek the first time, maybe as you were a child, and then as you kind of watch, maybe rewatch these episodes now as an adult. Uh, again, you touched on this already a little bit, I but don't I didn't know if you want to flesh this out. <laughs> um, sometimes I don't really know what being an adult or a grown-up means. Um, <laughs> Still a kid at heart. to a lot of us, I think. Never lose that childhood. You know, I tell my son that all the time. Don't be in such a hurry to be a grown-up, okay? You'll thank me later. Anyway, um, well, are you referring more to watching the movies or watching the original episodes? Well, you take, take it in whichever direction you want to take it, either one. Well, at different points in your life, you come to appreciate things differently. You have a different point of view based on where your experience and your life experience has, has taken you. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of seeing something in an episode or a movie that you were not looking for or or felt the first time you saw it. For example, Star Trek The Motion Picture to this day is a huge bone of contention for a lot of people, okay? I mean, a lot of us agree, and I, I still personally, you know, love uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan more than any Star Trek movie, and uh, believe me, to this day, a huge majority of fans still do feel that way. But it does still create quite an argument about um, Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, because I remember seeing that film, and I can go on and on because of the people that uh, I saw it with. Uh, you know, some of them are no longer with us and, and all that. So much has, has changed. But I have very clear memories of standing in a very long line in a cold December night outside of one of our local movie theaters to see it and being, shall we say, rather disappointed the first time I saw it as the film dragged on and on and just seemed to concentrate on the effects and not on the character and lacking in humor and emotion and things like that. But in recent years, especially after Robert Wise, um, you know, brilliant man that he is, was able to go back and recut that movie and tighten it up, which he did not have the chance to do because it was rushed so much. You know, that that's quite a story in and of itself. Um, 
But in watching it over, say, the last 10 years, I've come to appreciate it a whole lot more. In fact, I'm very blessed that I had the chance before he died to meet Robert Wise once. It was at actually a horror convention. It wasn't really a, a science fiction convention. I told him, I said, you know, Mr. Wise, you know, Star Trek The Motion Picture is loved a lot more now than it was then because we've come to appreciate it for what it is, not what it isn't. You see, so I've come to uh, really appreciate uh, the film a lot more today. Now, uh, now as far as other episodes, for example, well, when when you're young, I, I guess I can just speak for myself. This probably relates to a great many of the the fellow sci-fi diner folks out there, and that is, you know, when you're younger, you you tend to be looking for the action, for the humor. Um, I fell in love with the ships right away, especially the original Enterprise. The original Enterprise was very much. Uh, a character in and of itself, which is a feeling that I honestly never really felt after the original six Star Trek movies. As beautiful as many of the other ships are, uh, I just never quite felt that they were real characters like the original Enterprise was. Um, so you have that feeling in the original. Of course, when you're that age, you know, um, you know, the opposite sex is yucky, and you don't want all that you know, smooching like Kirk's always doing, right? You don't want to have anything to do with that. You want to get back to the action, right? Well, then you, you watch it later as a teenager, and you come to appreciate that opposite sex a lot more. And then you, you watch it again uh, as you get a little bit older into your adulthood. You're creating your own relationships. You're in a career. You're trying to maintain a career and pay your bills and everything. And then you start to appreciate it. As you get a little bit older, you appreciate character and, and subtlety of, of performance and everything. So as you get older, you know, you, I've come to appreciate the, the acting involved and the subtext that's involved and the tremendous interplay and the chemistry between the characters. So when you're younger, you know, you, you like I said before, you love the action and the, the humor and, you know, those gorgeous ships and everything. And then later on, you uh, come to appreciate the, the subtler things in it. And those things only uh, deepen and broaden over the course of time. So um, so that's how you can see an episode differently. And by looking at it from a different point of view, knowing the dialogue and the plot as well as you do, you can start looking for more subtle things, you see. And you can actually, after many, many years, discover, say, oh, yeah, that's what they meant. Or there's another subtext that I didn't see before because I wasn't looking for it before. You see, and that that's all part of the, the fun of it. I remember when the original episodes first hit disc the first time, and I was able to watch these episodes uncut. Because remember, I wasn't really, I was just being born when those episodes were, were being aired. So, of course, I have no memory of the original version. You know, as years went on, they would put more and more commercials in, and bit by bit by bit, there was more cut out. And then all of a sudden, it was like finding buried treasure, you know? Because all of a sudden, here was another five, six minutes of footage that you had no memory of. So after all these years, it was like finding another Trek episode that somebody forgot about and never put on the air. So, so you know, you always can find these little extra things in there to, to add to your memory box, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I agree that when you rewatch an episode, no matter what sort of episode it is, it is... Uh... And even what our sort of fandom it is, there's always things you can find out. And I think Star Trek maybe, especially so as we've seen advancements in technology, people also go back and say, well, look, Star Trek was doing it back then. And and uh, there's a lot that harkens back as we get older, we realize that uh, they were not that far off. 
And I think that some of that is uh, very cool as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, although events such as Worldcon have been held since like 1939, way before Star Trek, in a lot of ways, Star Trek is credited for the rise of fandom over the past 50 years. Uh, as someone that involved, especially like thinking shore leave convention the past 30 years, how have you seen this play out? Hmm. Well, I think you might be giving our our one little convention perhaps more credit than it really deserves. <laughs> but um, although we do definitely appreciate all the kind words that uh, organizations such as yours and so many others have to say about us and everything, I don't know if we can take that much credit. But um, really, it's not about us. It's just it's just about the the fans, and uh, we certainly did not create by any means. Star Trek or science fiction fandom. It was around long before I was ever here. But I do like to think that maybe we had um, a small part in helping to keep the the fire burning bright, especially in this part of the country uh, over these many years. I mean, I'm sure it would still be there if we weren't having conventions every year after all these years. You know, the friendships would still be there. The, you know, the joy of it would still be there. But um, I like to think that we're part of that, that tapestry of, of fandom, not just locally, but, but around the world with social media the way it is and everything is so instantaneous now, like it wasn't so many years ago. Um, so, but yeah, I like to think that we do take a, a small part in that and that we help to keep the, the lines of communication open and we bring a great deal of, of joy and excitement if it's only once, you know, one weekend a year uh, for folks to, to come together you know, see old friends, make new friends, hopefully, um, and just sort of what I like to tell people in my capacity and publicity is when they ask, what is surely, what is it all about? Or what is a, con- uh, a fan-run convention? What is it all about? And uh, one of the answers I oftentimes fall back on is, you know, what we try to do is we, we celebrate the past, uh, we cherish the now, we dream about the future. And it's all in the subtext of, of science fiction entertainment and fantasy entertainment. Um, that's what we do. And we do it in the company of a couple thousand of your closest friends. You know, it's like a, it's a three-day festival. It's a three-day party. And what kind of, you know, there are very few things that make better parties than that, from my point of view. So, and when you have a couple thousand people together who are of a like mind, where you have enough of a crowd, where there's a definite excitement and a buzz, but it's not so large that you are just, you know, it becomes a cattle call where you can't relate to the guests or relate to your your fellow fan, then... I know it's an old hackneyed phrase, and I've used it many, many years before, but it still rings true. It is, to my point of view, the best of both worlds, these, these fan-run conventions, because you have all the programming that, you could, that we can squeeze into the size of the hotel that we have, you know, so we, all that's there, and, you know, so we have the, the guests, and yet we're small enough that we can have that you know, that connection to your fellow fan, that you can still find a quiet corner of the hotel somewhere and just sit down on, on a bench and talk with your fellow fans about things that you're passionate about. Or if the line isn't too long, you can actually shake the hands and, you know, make eye contact with a guest and talk to them for a couple minutes. And you never know how such a interaction might, you know, reflect on your life or make changes. I've heard many stories like that down through the years. Right. This is something that conventions like Shore Leave and our, our sister convention, Farpoint, uh, which takes place in the winter, uh, also does very well. Um, 
you know, they're not run by us, but they are friends of ours, and that's the, the same kind of feeling that they create at their convention. And like I say, I haven't gone to other fan-run conventions in other cities, you know, like I did many, many years ago when I was single, but... Um, so uh, I can't really speak to the other the points of view to, of other cities and what they get, but uh, that is something that I am extremely proud of. Just one of the many things that I'm proud of that a convention like Shoreleave is able to give people once a year. Right. Well, you know, and and I think that as you look back on Star Trek, even the name Shoreleave itself, uh, you know, derives itself from uh, from from things like Star Trek. And um, I mean, although it has military, I mean, beyond that as a military application and so on. But, you know, it really if we talk about Star Trek influencing in and having an impact in shortly. Certainly in the early years, it was kind of um, billed as a Star Trek convention, even though currently it is more than that. Right. Our about mm, hard to say exactly, perhaps 15, 17 years ago, give or take. Um, it started calling itself a fan-run science fiction and media convention. And that's because even though we know where we came from and we know in our heart of hearts, Star Trek is what laid the track down. And we're all very much aware of that. But we also knew at the time that there were, especially back in the 90s, there were so many genre shows out there that were doing so well. And we wanted to not just hold on to our dear friends who come, you know, to our show every year, but also to appeal to other folks who may not necessarily or might just now be learning about the, the wonderful world of Star Trek fandom, but to say, hey, you know, we have Star Wars fans here, too. We have Doctor Who fans here, too. Back in the 90s, shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and X-Files and Babylon 5, big personal favorite of mine and all that, or short live shows that were still excellent like Starman, Alienation, so many that I, I can't even begin to name. All of them have their own unique fandoms, and they all bring um, fans uh, to our show because they know they're going to be uh, represented in some fashion there. And that's why we call ourselves a media convention these days because we also have discussions about movies and comic books and, you know, things like that. So we, we try to have a little something for everybody, you know, all types, all ages, all styles of fans. That's why we can have, especially on a Saturday, you know, a good dozen or more tracks of programming going on at the same time, you know. So I always tell folks who are just learning about a convention like ours, I say, first thing you need to do, get your program book, get your schedule, find a corner, grab a pen, and start circling, because you're very soon going to find yourself wishing you were two, three, or four people, yeah. because there are just so many things happening at the same time, and there is never, ever enough time to do all the things that you, that you could possibly want to do you got to make some hard choices yeah. and i'm glad that we have so many choices you know because some conventions i used to go to uh, shall remain nameless many years ago they had a lot of guests and they had huge dealers rooms and they were awfully good at it but um they didn't really have much else that I could tell beyond that. So two, three big rooms, that was your whole convention, you know. Hmm. Surely we, we try to, yeah, we have that. We have all those elements to it. But what about for the folks who aren't necessarily into 
autographs or the media aspect. Suppose their interest is more towards uh, the literary. Suppose it's more towards the science programming that we have. Suppose they prefer uh, cosplay or they prefer gaming or they prefer uh, genre artwork. You know, suppose that. Suppose they just like to sit around all weekend long and make time to talk to all their friends and they don't get involved with the rest of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. That's part of the beauty of it, hmm. you see. You give everybody as many choices as possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Well, you know, as we as we look at Shoreleave and the 50th anniversary, are there particular ways that Shoreleave is going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary this year? Well, let's see here. You see, we're recording this at a point where programming is really just starting to come together. Right. Many things have fallen, in, fallen into place, but many more things have to be finalized as of yet. Uh, there will definitely be a lot of talk about the 50th anniversary. I hope to uh, be on a panel myself to talk about it, not necessarily about you know, basic things like favorite movies or favorite episodes, but like what I said at the beginning of this talk about how it makes you feel and how it's been a friend throughout your entire life, you know, so I'm hoping to get a little bit wistful and emotional and get a whole audience wistful and emotional with me, uh, those who have been uh, through this whole Star Trek experience basically their entire lives. Um, so I'm sure there will be much of that there. Uh, but I can't think of any one thing in particular. Let's just say that uh, this year, surely, we'll have basically everything that our attendees have come to expect of Shorely down through the years. And uh, we're always looking to add something you know, else as long as there's people there to run it and there's enough room in the hotel to support it. Sometimes we just simply don't have enough hotel rooms available to fit everything we want to do. Uh, but yes, there will definitely be talks and there will be film showings. I'm especially excited about two of our signed guests this year, um, are Ariel O'Connor and Margaret Whitecamp. And they are both uh, two of the team members who have been down uh, restoring the original Enterprise model down at the Smithsonian. Um, that's a project that's been going on for a while, and they're looking to have it done late in the summer. And uh, they're supposed to give a talk sometime during the weekend. I don't know exactly where, but I have already told my um, my uh, colleagues on the convention committee, I said, we need to get a bigger room. You know, because that's going to draw a lot of people. And so there should be a lot of interest there. And, of course, there, even though the film, unfortunately, is going to be delayed till after Shore Leave, uh, the new film coming up, Star Trek Beyond, no doubt there will be quite a bit of talk uh, oh, yeah. about that as well. Um, and, of course, the new series that is being developed for next January, there will be a lot of talk about that. Um, there might be some uh, talk about the um, that great... Um, concert that was going around the country. In fact, it still is, I believe, Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage, which I had the great pleasure of seeing back in early March. Um, there might be some talk about that. So the various things that Paramount is doing um, regarding the 50th anniversary, there will be not much talk, officially or unofficially, during the course of the weekend. But all I can uh, tell to the fine folks who are listening to this is keep checking the website because you never know when more things are being added. And as we get really close to the convention the last couple of weeks and they start posting the initial versions of the schedule, take a good look at it and everything. That's where you're going to find a lot of the materials that you need to help plan your weekend out. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I guess it's, it's safe to say as well that part of the way that that, that you folks really always celebrate Star Trek is you, you do bring in, 
you do bring in a few guests each year that play into the Star Trek world, and you have two, at least on the schedule at this point, that are part of the original series franchise. Do you want to tell me a little bit about them? Oh, absolutely. Because as you as you and so many of your uh, listeners know, I'm a big original fan. And as much as I admire these other guests that we're able to uh, obtain to join us at Shore Leap, I always get this little surge of pride and happiness inside me from a personal standpoint, you know, about anybody that had anything to do with the original series. And let's face it, there's only a small handful left, you know. I mean, sadly, our dear friends are, you know, being lost to us one by one. It seems to me like these last several years, half of our program book is memorials now, you know, which is something that I don't enjoy, but it's all part of it. Our friends we lose and uh, from the acting uh, you know, point of view, and of course our dear friends in fandom that we've known for many years. But anyway, uh, as of this point, as the time we're recording this, we have two original series guests that uh, are going to be joining us. Uh, Mr. Michael Forrest, who played Apollo and who mourns for Adonais, and of course just recently uh, reprised that role in the uh, Star Trek Continues uh, series, um, which I just happened to have seen when uh, Vic Mignogna was uh, one of our guests. Um, and I saw the film that year, and it is truly excellent. I, excellent. I do recommend it very highly. So I'm very, very proud that he'll be joining us. And also, and I hope I pronounced this name right, Barbara Boucher. That's where um, I would pronounce it. <laughs> uh, she was Kalinda in By Any Other Name. Um, you know, the episode with the uh, ones from Andromeda that were taking the Enterprise on a 300-year right. journey to their galaxy. And, of course, Kirk gets the uh, very painful job of trying to seduce her, right, while poor Scotty is trying to drink the other guy under the table. Great <laughs> moment and everything. Um, so she'll be joining us as well. So that that's two right there. So we're very, very happy about them. And I know they do plan to be at their tables and make their autographs available during the uh, course of the weekend and all. They, As far as I know, they're going to be there all weekend. We're very excited about that. And I'm among them. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that Star Trek related that I've always appreciated about Shirley, even though I've only caught it a few times, is when they do the mystery Trekkie theater, you know, for those people that are science fiction fans, we're familiar with mystery science theater. And now this is basically, well, a couple of Star Trek authors who basically sit down there and provide a running commentary as they watch an episode or a movie of Star Trek. Will that be returning this year? As far as I know, yes. Um, they've been doing this now, mm, I would say, close on to 20 years, it has to be around 20 years now, that uh, Peter David and, and uh, Keith DeCandido and a few others, Robbie Greenberger, you know, and that uh, Robert Greenberger, that team, um, are actually going to, um, you know, have been doing this. And I don't know if it was ever intended to be such a long-running thing, but it did so well all those years ago and created such goodwill and such a great way to end the convention because, um, I don't know if it started off this way, but basically it's the, the last thing on the schedule. It starts like 5 plus in the afternoon on a Sunday. So you know that, they, you know, let's finish this convention with a blast, right? And it's always done extremely well, and now it's become very much a part of the uh, framework of what people expect out of 
surely there are certain things that we do every year that would just be totally shocking if they weren't there. I mean, you have your um, Friday night party with our writer guests. You know, we call it Meet the Pros and some, some of the science guests. And then you have your art show and auction, and you have the 10 forward dance party on Saturday night, right? And you have your Q&A sessions and autograph sessions, and that also fits in there, too. It's like the centerpiece of Sunday, Mystery Trekkie Theater 3000. I don't know what episode. We probably won't know to the last minute which one they're going to pick on this year. Right. But um, our dear friends have always put on a spectacular show with lots of laughs, lots of great memories, and I'm sure it's going to be wonderful again. So I would be absolutely shocked if it isn't there right. this year because we have done it many, many years in a row and just become part of some of the things we do, right along with some of the more basic traditions like some of the writers who have been with us for close on to 40 years with nary a miss, something else I'm very, very proud of. You know, going to the earliest days of shore leave when Howard Weinstein and Robert Greenberger came on board, long before we had 30, 40, 50 writers coming like we do these days. Right. But in those early years, that's all we had, you know. And, you know, the old tradition of giving the um, shore leave bunny to our first-year guests and everything, giving them a little... You know, a little gift the first time they come to shore leave. These are all part of our little tiny traditions that people come to to expect every right. year. And again, Absolutely. that all plays into the um, very comforting part of it, that continuity that people have come to expect year to year. Right. Um, I did explain in past years what how we got the name shore leave for our convention, right? Yeah, you did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because everybody pretty much knows, that, of course, is named after the first uh, year episode. In fact, for those who have already been on our website, we have changed our logo a little bit. And the Shoreleave logo actually is the Shoreleave Bunny, actually a rather large one, next name to the convention. And it's kind of in silhouette, but you clearly see him pulling out his gold pocket watch. You know, yeah. the old saying, my stars and whiskers, I'll be late. So that <laughs> is our new, our new logo. One of our uh, colleagues there on the committee actually, um, you know, made up some new logos, and it's really beautiful. It is. It's so a really by all nice means, logo. be sure to take a look at that. Yeah, it's a nice logo. So well, well mm -hmm. done. They did a wonderful job. I wish I was more artistically inclined. <laughs> but I have every bit of respect for those who were able to think of that and design it and, and submit it and everything. We need it updated a little bit anyway, and it looks really, really good. Yeah. Well, so... We've been focused very heavily on Star Trek through this episode so far, but obviously, as you kind of alluded to before, there are many other things that people can come to this convention, and if they're listening, they're saying, you know what, I'm sick of hearing about the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. What else do you guys have to offer? Um, what, what would be your answer to them? Hmm. Well... Like I said just a little bit before, Shirley tries to have a little something special for every kind of fan, every age, every style. You know, you know, if you love science fiction or or fantasy or genre entertainment, you're going to find something interesting to do at Shirley. Please take my word for it. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into some of the other guests now, but let's just say that. Um, sure you can. And walking around the convention, especially on Saturday, when so many folks are, are dressed up and all, you are going to see, you know, stormtroopers. You might see R2-D2s rolling around. You're going to see cosplayers. You're going to see, 
you know, folks dressed up as Doctor Who characters. You know, you're going to see, you know, from so many different uh, shows that are popular at the time, you're you're going to see them there. There's all representations of these different fandoms there, and they all have different panel discussions where groups of like-minded fans can get together and have talks about these different shows. So, you know, yes, Star Trek is a very, very big part to this day of what we do, but we try to um, offer special things to every type of fan out there, awesome. you know, where you're going to find uh, fellow fans out there, because that's really what Shore Leave is all about. Yeah. So there, you know, there will be definitely materials for other folks to enjoy who aren't necessarily into the, you know, autograph and QA session and, and photo op portion of it, because let's face it, that's not for everybody, but that's why you have different choices, so you don't really feel like you have to do that. You know, some folks I know, they stay around the video rooms whole weekend long. Some folks I know, they, they love the 24 hour, you know, the nearly 24-hour gaming that goes on all weekend long. They just oh, yeah. hang out with the other gamers. You, you know, that, that isn't really my cup of tea, but I respect those with that skill and those that put it together. Uh, because, you know, we try to give folks a variety of, of different things to do. Uh, so that's there. Other folks, they like to troll around the uh, dealer's room, a lo- you know, a lot and look for that one special item that they've been missing for for years. Mm-hmm. Some folks do that, you know. Some folks like to stay in the science programming, for example, and do that. Or they like to hang around their uh, their favorite um, writers that, you know, have just grown and grown and grown down through the years. I mean, whoever would have thought years ago that Shoreleave would grow into this massive hangout for, for professional writers. Oh, you know it. Um, yeah. For so many years, we had the Howie and Bob show, and that is still our core. They're the ones who started this whole thing. But, you know, it's like the old commercial. They told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on and so on and right. so on. And before you know it, you know, we're filling up the hotel with writers and their families because they all want to network with their friends and sell a few books and, and make new friends at this show, you know? I mean, I would not call us, um, you know, necessarily a strictly a literary convention the way, say, Balticon is known to be, but um, there is definitely that element to it. That, right. that makes it right. special. We have so many writers there. Yeah. So we have a great variety of things. Well, um, tell us a little bit. Of, just a few of them. Yeah, tell us a little bit about some of the other guests as well, because obviously, I mean, when it, there are all these other ways that draw people to conventions, but one of the big draws to convention are people want to hear the stories that people share about the shows from stage. And I know we mentioned Barbara and Michael, but you have, you have a lineup of about at least five other guests at the moment with potentially two others that you are not at liberty to say. Right. You see, at the time we were recording this, we are looking to perhaps add another uh, guest or two. However, I, we don't really know who that's going to be at this point. What I would tell your listeners is keep checking the website, www.shore-leave.com. Shore-leave.com. Just keep checking it because you never know what's going to be added. So, uh, But we are, you know working on that. Let's just say that. So just keep an eye out. Uh, but as of right now, okay, there are five other guests that I have not mentioned. Okay. Uh, we have coming on Saturday only Karen Galan, who is uh, played Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy and has a very major role in Doctor Who as Amy Pond. Now she's going to be there Saturday only, so please bear that in mind, you know, when you're making your plans for the weekend. We have Robbie Amel, 
who I'm sure will be a tremendously popular guest due to his popularity in shows like The Flash and Tomorrow People. Uh, so, in fact, I believe he actually played Fred Jones once in one of the more recent Scooby-Doo movies, from what I'm told. Must have turned him into a blonde for that movie. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm sure he's going to be incredibly popular. John Noble, one of those great uh, science fiction character actors that has done a little of everything. Name a show, he's probably been in it. But just off the top of my head, there's Fringe, there's Elementary. He was in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, for example. Um, and we also have two special guests from uh, the show Dark Matter. Okay, Actually, both were in Lost Girl as well. We have Zoe Palmer, whose first name is actually spelled Z-O-I-E, because to say it's Zoe, I am told, and Anthony Lemke. Uh, so both have worked in, uh, together in Dark Matter and Lost Girl. So that's uh, who we have so far. Now, of course, that doesn't include any of our myriad of writers. Uh, well, I would like to mention a few very quickly, uh, besides the ones I've already mentioned, that really stand out. So many of our writers have, have you know, been with us for many, many years, but a few are joining us, I think, for the first time this year, and we're so very proud of this. Uh, noted uh, nonfiction scribes Paula Block and Terry Erdman, are scheduled to join us, mm, and just awesome. recently has been added, just in the last uh, couple of weeks to our roster, is uh, Larry Nemechek, oh, yeah. who uh, wrote the original Star Trek Next Generation uh, Companion. Uh, he has just decided to join us. And from an artistic standpoint, our two artist guests of honor are Mike McPhail, who joined us last year, and Todd Brugmans is also joining us this year. Todd Brugmans also has been kind enough to provide the, um, the program cover art this awesome. year, which is going to be something of a very unique nature, which I do not believe has been done before uh, at Shorely. And I can't wait for everybody to see it. I've seen a, an early version. It's extremely impressive. So uh, I go see some really, really wonderful with the program book this year that Mr. Uh, Mr. Brugmans did for us. And like I already mentioned the uh, the other writers and everything. And of course, I already mentioned uh, among our science guests are two of the team members who are working to restore the original Enterprise model that was donated to the National Air and Space Museum way back in 1976. And of course, over the course of years, has fallen upon hard times. And they're working to really beautify it and bring it back to its former glory for later on this year. Right. So uh, that's just a sample of what we have so far. That is awesome. It sounds like it's going to be a really good short leave this year. Yep, we try to make every convention as, as special as we can possibly make it. Like I say, this isn't like shortly 50, it's only 38, but being the anniversary and all, we're taking extra pains to make sure that it is everything that folks have come to expect and just try to tweak it a little bit. Right. Of course, we're very much limited by the size of the hotel that we're in, so there's only just so much room. But I also have to tell uh, you, you know, your team out there early that um, the, hotel, the convention itself is not sold out, but the hotel itself, as far as rooms are sold out. So for anybody who's looking to join us, there is a page on the website listing like 12 other local hotels if folks right. are coming in from out of town that are available so you can reach these other hotels to get your lodging for the weekend. Right. 
But uh, it's not like that one year we had William Shatner where literally two-thirds of the convention was sold out and you couldn't even shoehorn anybody in, right. you know, that one <laughs> year that we had William Shatner there. So, uh, But the tickets are definitely going fast, or as we call them, memberships. So I would strongly recommend who's anybody uh, who might be on the fence about this, please don't wait to the last moment or think you can just walk up to the table at 9.30 on a Saturday morning and not have a little bit of a wait, right. you know, because that invariably happens. Try to do these things ahead of time. The pre-registration cuts off on June 15th this year, and as you mentioned at the very beginning, yes, we did go back. I didn't even give the dates, actually. Kind of shocking of all the basic yeah. things for me to forget. But remember, folks, we've gone back to July due to popular demand, okay? We are not in early August like we were the last two, three years. It's July 15, 16, and 17 this year. And we're not married anymore. We're at the Hunt Valley Inn, but it's a Wyndham. So the, the Hunt Valley Inn Wyndham Grand, July 15th through the 17th. Very long story short, uh, we moved to August some years ago because um, we we were under the impression that the San Diego Comic-Con was going to be on the same weekend. We knew that would make it extremely difficult for us to get a lot of our regular attendees and to get a lot of our writers and our actor guests. So we moved, and we only found out after we had made the move that the huge Las Vegas convention was the same weekend. So for the last several years, we've been trying to uh, get by going up against the, the probably the best-known convention in the entire country. So as soon as we were able to, we shifted this thing back to July. And let's face it, most folks preferred us in July, I think, anyway. Right. Uh, you know, not nearly as close as when the kids go back to school. And uh, after so many years, folks were just used to us being in July. So I, for one, am also extremely pleased to be back in July again. And that's also caused us to move do things a little bit more quickly because there's less turnaround time than last year, so we had to step up our efforts a little bit because there was right. less prep time available. That is true. But, yeah, please bear that in mind, everybody. We're, we're back in July, at least in the, for the foreseeable future. Very good. And if people want to register online, they, they can register online or they are able to print out uh, a form here. And if they do before June 15th, they get a little bit of a discount um, And uh, from the both the weekend and any of the days actually provide a little bit of a discount. So. Right. I think at the door it's like 99 for the whole weekend now for adults. I think if you do it by June 15th, pre-registration, it's like 90. I mean, that's a little bit of a discount. Every little right. bit helps. Oh, yeah. It's $10 you can spend on something else at the convention. So. <laughs> right. And the, so. yes, there will be memberships available on individual day basis. But like I say, be prepared to have a little bit of a wait, especially if you arrive at the last moment on Saturday morning. Uh, we always try to tell folks, please don't you know do that. But invariably, it, it's been known to happen. But but yes, they will be available. We also have just a Saturday evening only uh, membership where literally some folks have come, as you know, um, you know, who just want to take part in the the masquerade and the you know to view the masquerade and take part in the dance afterwards. You know, you don't see them all day. They don't, they don't get there till six o'clock on Saturday night. Um, so we do have one unique ticket that's that's just for that. And of course, there's a different price structure for um, for those who are in their teens, and I think it's um, beneath the age of five. You know, and get in free with a paying adult. Right. Um, but all the the prices will be up there, and they're also available on our website. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, before we wrap up this interview, Mike, is there anything else that you want to say about Shoreleave? Well, uh, like I say, year to year, 
Um, it's it's a lot of work, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears go into putting this convention together. Uh, I and you know my fellow committee members, you know, we're purely volunteer. We, you know, and if we did get paid, I don't think it would be nearly as much fun because it would seem too much like working. Right. Uh, we put a lot of ourselves into it, and so many of us have been in these positions for years and years and years. Um, we, we take a great deal of pride in doing the, the convention uh, for our fellow fans. Um, nothing makes us happier than when, you know, folks like yourself, Scott, or or other fans after the convention will send us these wonderful messages and how it was like their first time and they'll be coming back, or this was so great and this guest was so nice and keep doing what you're doing. And in an era where the conventions, even long-standing ones who've been around forever, are just, you know, due to the changing nature of the, you know, the economy or or the graying of fandom, as we always like to say, they they fall by the wayside. But not only, not that I want to take too much credit, but not only does Shore Leave somehow has survived, but it's, you know, to borrow a famous phrase, it's live long and prospered. And as long as folks want us to do it, and they're, you know, and we are able physically to do this, to go through all the work, we will keep doing it because, you know, surely, you know, Star Trek and all the various iterations of it are a tremendous legacy. And we are so deeply proud of just being a very small, a very small part of that. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show this year and hearing you talk about 50 years of Star Trek, and then also Shore Leave, obviously. Well, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for having me on once again this year. I always you know, look forward to it every year. I hope I have not bored any of your listeners <laughs> too much, because they're probably very used to hearing these same things every year. Yeah. But it's obviously a source of great excitement, and you know, I obviously love talking about it. So, Absolutely. you know, always too happy to, to do my, you know, do my part to tell, you know, you and the rest of your um, your colleagues out there and your your faithful listeners all about it. But yeah, just um and like I've said before many times for anybody who's on the fence who is you know aren't really sure what a convention is and you know might have a negative impression of it or what somebody might have said about another convention other part of the country, just you know give it a give it a chance. If you're in town, you know, uh, you know, just sort of try it for one day. You know, right. you never know the people you're going to meet, and you might find yourself bitten by the convention bug oh, yeah. and saying, that was fun. I want to do this next year. Okay. So that's how it, it started for me you know, way back in 1986 when I attended my first shore leave, many years before I became a member of the, the club or on the committee or anything. But sometimes just the very simplest thing start off lifetime commitments like this. Oh, yeah. um, and that's something that I'm uh, very, very proud of being a considered a very small part of so well uh, but again thank you very much for having me on i enjoyed it tremendously and everybody keep an eye on that website folks because you know as we get closer and closer and the weather gets warmer and warmer you know more things are going to get posted and it's you know all kinds of exciting things are going to be happening yeah absolutely and again that website is sure-leave.com and you can uh, find out all the information everything that we've been talking about is up there and we would love to see you at Shore Leave this year. That's right. We'll 
we'll make room for you guys. So we hope to see you all out there. And, you know, I, I'll be there at least, a, you know, a good portion of the weekend. I'll have the committee badge on. I'll be the one with a very tired-looking smile on his face. So come over and say hello. year and I think that's great. It's unfortunate I never really could work in the fact that about uh, about seven weeks ago did you have a chance to see uh, listen to that concert Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage? It was Do you know uh, Miles Miles saw it when it was in Reading and he loved it was bragging about it so. Um, I saw it with my brother and uh, we didn't really get a chance to add any more time on but about seven weeks ago early March actually it was on a snowy night here in Baltimore we went to see it at this very old theater called the Lyric down here and he and I and it's you know I know there's no way to add anything now but uh, let's just say my brother and I without going into any kind of personal detail there are things he's 10 years older than I he's the one who got me into this whole Star Trek universe he was that guy whose room I sat in when I was seven eight nine remember I mentioned oh yeah that? yeah and well over the course of time let's just say we've disagreed on many things but when we were sitting together because i knew that we had to do this together i just said if my brother's not in on this i ain't going all right we have to do this together so for that period of time we had that in common no matter how different because he and i have very different attitudes about things um won't bore you of any details. Let's just say we're different individuals, as only siblings can be, right? Right. And, um, but we've always had Star Trek in common. Always. And so during that time, you know, we just had that, that togetherness there, and we just let those memories, and Miles will tell you about the concert more, but, you know, the memories just flooded over us. And it was an amazing thing. And I bought the program and the soundtrack album, which the soundtrack was especially good. It's a double disc. So be sure to pick that up if you get a chance, even though I'm sure you, like I, have probably all the original soundtracks for when they came out. But um, but it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, I, some, you know, everybody has something like that in their lives, or at least right. I hope they do, that draws them together. Um, you know, with a lot of people, sports team, for example, but for he and I, it's it's always been about Star Trek, and it was that communal experience. And there were other Shoreleaf people there in that room that night, by the way, and some other members of our press corps I recognized there, too. And it, it made for a very memorable evening. I'm sorry you didn't have a chance to see it, but yeah. um, but again, we had that, that bond there because of what... You know, because of all the, the music cues you remember and the, the film clips that we're showing and all it came washing over, you know. So if you wanted to mention anything like that, you know, on your actual show when you're beginning this broadcast, you're welcome to, you know, to use it as just sort of as a way of, you know, segueing into this, this whole thing. Because, you know, Star Trek is one of those rare things in this world 
that can draw people together, that, that common sense of love for something. Yeah. And so that's when I started feeling wistful and said, I want to do a panel at Shirley talking about not just somebody's favorite episode, but about how it makes them feel. You know, we've been on this 50-year journey, and so many of us have seen, you know, I've been going to Shirley 30 years, and I've seen all these people, and I just love that sense of continuity and the world being the way it is now. Oh, yeah. That's become all the more important. Yeah. So, and that's why I kind of got a little bit nostalgic and wistful the way I did because that's how it's mm -hmm. it's made me feel. 